Are we getting ones and twos? Hello. Hello. Mark Strong. Hello. Hello. For this, George has come to switch off your phone. No talking. No talking. Nice, isn't it? Bit of quiet. Mm. Mark Strong been up to recently. I haven't seen it. Wasn't he going to be doing a... Are we rolling? Uh, yeah, we're rolling. Wasn't he rolling. Gonna be definitely a, sure. Wasn't he going to do a Bond villain in Danny Boyle's Lost Bond film? Mark Strong. Mark was Strong. D- yes, Danny Boyle. Oh, my God, Danny, Danny Boyle was, was going to do gonna... Spectre, wasn't he? Mm, I thought it was... I thought... C- no, he was, you're Kukunagi. right. He was going to do um, No Time to Die. Yeah, well, that, that Bond 26. That Bond 26. Yeah. 25, isn't it? That's Bond 25. Mm, maybe it was. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, no, maybe. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. I mean... You would have been a good... Yeah. He's a good villain anyway. He's good in everything. He I like it when he's not a villain because he did do lots yes. of villains originally. I like it when he is, you know, just turns up and he's a supporting character. Just like normal Mark Strong with the yeah, powerful voice. I like it when he's quite affable. I mean, or sometimes they play on it like in Zero Dark Thirty, he's the like head of the, he's like the mm. top authority figure, but he's not the villain. Do you not remember that bit in Zero Dark Thirty where he's like, if you're thinking there's a room above yeah, this, yeah. you know, this, this, that's not it. This is it. I reckon you could you, people could easily go Mark Strong. He's a, like does one kind of thing, but actually I think he's really versatile. And you could put him in anything. Do you know what he is? He, he's in Shazam. And he's so forgettable. Do you remember that? He's just like oh, plonked in. Shazam came and completely left my brain. Yeah, no, no, it did not Shazam me. It was no. just like oh. <laughs> he's in Kickass. Yes, love Kickass. Right, great. Let me go. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm trying to think of way he like he's like in the Kingsman films as the sort of Q character, isn't he? Yes. Merlin. I yeah, think Merlin. Trying to think of a, what's the most out there Mark Strong performance I've oh, seen? Oh, Grimsby. Oh, yeah, probably. which I've not seen. Have you seen that? It's fun. I, I, it's, if, if you're in the mood for Sasha Baron Cohen, it's funny. I don't think I'd like it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, if someone was like, I don't find this funny at all, I'd be like, fair, and I don't. I'm not going to be like, what? You don't find it funny? Because it's a mood thing. Out of the two of us, who do you think has the most mature? Who's you. the most Im- immature? Oh, me. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you, so you, you'd appreciate like Grimsby more yeah. than I would. That, Why did you like... immediately do you feel that I'm the more, more mature one? Because I just think I'm more immature. <laughs> I don't think I have a sense of you being more mature. I'm two months older than you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I did a lot of reading you. in those two months. <laughs> Birthday this week. Uh, uh, you, by the time this goes out, you will be 28. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah I will. Actually, the day it comes out, you'll be 28. No, no, because uh, it, my birth is on the first day. Get it right. I mean, you can send me a present a day early if you want, guys. <laughs> you know what, I do have a present for you, but it hasn't come yet. I was going to give it to you today. Oh, you but didn't it have hasn't to. arrived yet. No, no, I got you one. Because now I have to get you a present in September. I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. Right, let me write that down. <laughs> get James a thing. Well, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, I, I will be. I will be 28. Don't get excited. <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, 28 was like the like age I wanted to be. It was. I liked the fact that it was like two even numbers, two and eight. Yes. You're in your 20s, but you weren't established like, as an adult. You're, established. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now but now I think I think what I thought 28 was when I was a kid is actually like 24, <laughs> and 28 is a little bit too adult. I think I'm just turning 23. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in I there. genuinely, of how much I think I have together and what what complex brain things I thought I'd be happening that would be happening to me at 28 have not yet happened and I don't think they ever will I thought I would like see the matrix of life no, and it would just no, no. this is just it. I'm actually probably my sharpest oh no and you could just gradually decline yeah and yeah. like yeah slowly do you have an age that you think like you you wanted to be like you feel like you could be Ooh, uh 10 <laughs> it's all becoming very clear to me now. yeah I thought I thought wow like double digits that's, oh yeah that's big i'm invincible i remember being nine and i was like i'm so sure that when i wake up on my 10th birthday 
it will feel different. Right. I will, something will be, I'll be like, whoa. And I'll look like, my hats. Yeah. No, it's it the same. It. And no. I was just, wow, that's 10. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, I always thought sixth formers were adults. Yeah. When I was 11 and I looked at a 17, 18 year old, I thought that is yeah. a grown up who's yeah. ready to run for office, yep. run, a, run, a run a business. business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> have a pension plan. Like, they are so cool yeah. with their skinny jeans and their moppy hair. Yeah. I and yeah, you get that. to that age and you're like, oh, these little kids are really different. <laughs> I think when I was 19, I was such a sad sack. I, I, I went through this, like, I, I got really freaked out by the fact I was turning 20. I was like, 20? Yeah. That's like, that's different. A two. Two, two, zero. That's a new yeah. decade, new age. New era. I was like, well, you know, we're really growing up. Really growing up. You know, it's getting old, getting old. Yeah. And then, I had 20s anxiety. I was like, oh my God, 20s. Yeah. It's like, and what am I going to do in my 20s? Best time of my life. I've got to like... I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in my 30s it will uh, I'll figure it out. I do think when I, when I was 19, I feel like I should, should have said to myself, like, you have no idea. You have yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's true. If you could speak to your 19 about to turn 20 year old self, what do you say? You've got you've got two minutes. You come through the wormhole. Like in like, George. No, no, it's, it's like, like Flash. Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean uh, Batman v Superman. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're the oh. Flash and you literally have, I wanna, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I would say. George is literally in his bedroom like no one else is going to see it. Do I give him like, like stock options, like you invest yeah. in Bitcoin <laughs> Tesla, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, I'm talking, this is 2014. Yeah. I mean, and it's like the, the week before my birthday. Um, You've got 30 seconds. Like literally the wormhole will open. You'll be like, George, you know it's what? me, I 28. Know. I feel like whatever age you are, you've got different bits of advice. Mm. I think my advice at my current age would be, George, just listen to me. Just do what you want to do. Okay? So don't, vague. Don't, no, no, do, little George would hate you do for what that. You want, and they'll be like, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But like, don't, Try and please other people to do to stop trying to fulfill everyone else's image of yourself. That's the same that when they show videos of people in their eighties who give advice, young people, they always say that. They're like, do things. Don't don't worry yeah. about what other people think. Yeah. That, I mean, I had a friend who talked to me about that and it was like there was a clip of old people. One of them was like, uh, don't have any regrets. Uh, you know, don't have any regrets, don't do that. And it was like, okay, great. Live life with no regrets. And then he was then yeah, sure. the same sense as the guy was like, Yeah, I wish I ran more. And it's like, well, which which is it? <laughs> Which is it? What, what? 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 Can I ask what specifically you? What, why you want to be like? Don't do anything no, for think, other people. I think, no, it's, it's, it's not like I've had like a crisis. No, no, it's just more just like I think that many people, mm. particularly if like when you get into like your later twenties and there's more you, you, things are bearing fruit and things are more like yes. gaining traction. You're, you're one of your friends is definitely making loads of money. <laughs> yeah, <not>. and, and <laughs> your, your 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 time and your energy is under increasing demands in different and in different directions, mm. and you're constantly made to question what that is. And you know, and equally, there are friendships that d- demand your time and, and, and relationships, and and some of them you're like, I don't, you know, that friendship that's not really important to me anymore, mm. or whatever. And you have to sometimes think, and you start to sort of go through the motions. If you're not careful, you go through the motions. You just start performing. Mm. This idea of yourself to, f- to to satisfy everyone's expectations of you because you want everyone to be happy and you want to mm. get on with everyone, so you want to you know do well at your job because you want to and you, you want to appear to be the best employee you can. And you yeah. want to be the best friend you can be. Prioritizing energy, I think you learn. But to it's like you actually things. need to put your foot down sometimes and just say this. All that will come, but mm. first, Patience. what do you actually want? Because it's it's all meaningless if you don't put your own time and energy in yourself. Before, you, before those other things. I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's not about being selfish. It's no. just about a, a management of time. Otherwise, the whole thing will just fall apart. We were a motivational God, I've become, it's just those videos you see on TikTok. Yeah. It's like, what I learned, yeah. what I learned in my bro, 20s was bro, this. Yeah. yeah, and I just knew you it, you know, time. I knew it. I just thought, you know, wake up, wake up. 
and then I started the billion dollar business and so that it. hasn't happened yet for no, me no no, no but, but it's coming someone our age has which is um, I, I think I would say stop watching so many films <laughs> go outside I'd be like uh, same I'd be like don't take don't take things too seriously. Oh my God, enjoy, enjoy having no responsibilities. Enjoy not needing to be anywhere. Right. Enjoy like being able to stay up and play games and just not needing to, because that like is slowly disappearing and I yeah. don't see it getting better. I just see that getting worse. Yep. Um, I'd say like, it's going to be okay, <laughs> which yeah. is really- That's vague. Oh, it's really vague. Because really like- that's the thing, I don't want to spoil things because I think like little James had things to learn and I don't want to manipulate the space time continuum too much by saying this is going to happen and this yes. is going to happen because then like, I, I, like, you won't learn it, yeah. I like my life and I like where I am and where I got to so I almost would be like hey look can you continue the course make sure you really do this and enjoy enjoy yourself would you be like take out a half a million pound bet yeah, that, that Britain will leave the European Union yeah. in 2016. Or David Bowie's going to die in January yeah. 2016. Just something like that you know is going to happen for a fact. Invent the time warping thing and let's go on your yacht. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then... Yeah. <laughs> so James, you and I had a long discussion about Thor, Love and Thunder and also Doctor Strange 2. Yes. Recently we did a review of it. That'll be out on the channel. But I wanted to talk about Marvel and directors mm -hmm. this week, right? Because what I noticed about Thor, Love and Thunder when they're doing sort of the press circuit and all the, and all the marketing is that I think the Thor films, Ragnarok and Love and Thunder, I think are, are one of the few times with the MCU where the role of the director is very prominent and it's actively part of its promotion, right? Yeah. You know, there are other- It's not being lost in the machine. Exactly. You know, you're dealing with a huge corporate behemoth beast of, of Marvel and the MCU. And you know, directors come in, directors go, and there is, there, is, the there, there is a house style yeah. that, that fluctuates and changes, but there is a house style. And yet with um, the, the Thor films, it's like, this is a Taika Waititi film. It's got Taika Waititi humor in it. He's in it, he's out there promoting with it. And the role of Taika Waititi is very prominent, which I thought was interesting because I don't think people would watch Doctor Strange 1 and go, oh, that's a Scott Derrickson film. Right, yeah. Or Thor Dark World and go, oh, yeah, that's an Alan Taylor film. So it really got me thinking about how directors are kind of used in the Marvel machine. And the, the essential template, which is for many blockbuster films and many film studios, is you find uh, a film director, an up-and-coming film director, who's probably done a, a handful of indie movies, right, that have broken through on the festival circuit yep. or, you know, or have been critically, critically acclaimed and have got people's attention. Those people are then usually picked up and plucked and taken to Marvel. And it's like, you want to you play? Here's $200 million. Here's $200 million. <laughs> you get to be a big time film star, yep. open up doors for the rest of your career. The trade-off is that you have to do what we tell you, you know, well, to a degree, you yep. have to obey the rules of working in a massive machine. What wise, you got to get from A to B to C. Exactly, and and there you go. And 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 some people stay in the Marvel machine. Some people stick around. So, uh, or, or some people do one film and then are out. Some people are kicked off projects. I remember watching an interview with uh, Lulu Wang. I think it is who did the farewell. Um, and she was talking about, she had been approached by Marvel to maybe do something. And she said, you know, I was really, I'm not ready yet. My voice isn't, you know, honed. I'm actually un uncertain because other directors would just eat it up, right? Yeah. With that in mind, you know, there are, I think there are 28 Marvel movies now, maybe 29. God, yeah, okay. And I think let's actually kind of go back 
and look at the directors for each of them because like I said, I think there's you, some rogue ones in there. I think if you if you named uh, these Marvel films, a lot of people wouldn't be able to say who the directors were and also also what they bring. Yep. And bigger to your point, some of them don't feel like a director's film. Exactly, it is part they of are the machine. Part of the machine. Taika and yeah, a lot of these exception. a lot of these um, directors have had accomplished careers beforehand and then also go on to do stuff. So yep. what I wanted to do is kind of just run through some of the filmography of the of the MCU and talk about what directors have brought to the table and what's happened and all that kind of I stuff. I love it. Right? Let's do it. Okay, so 2008, let's go all the way back. Woo! Do you remember? What a time to be alive. Pre-crash, this was actually technically when it came out. Where is it? Right. I think it was May 2008, Iron Man comes out and it's directed by John, John Favreau, Favreau, which is funny because for us now, we know John Favreau is such an established name. Sort of blockbuster, stalwart, who's done interesting projects, also an actor in his own right as well. He is, but now, now I feel like he's much more of a producer extraordinaire yes. of yeah. the Marvel, Disney. He does, you know, to yeah. Lion King, which is obviously Disney. He's like Disney's one and of also involved guys. in Mandalorian and Boba Star Fett. Wars, yeah. But, you know, his first, technically, his first feature film was Elf. Yes, yeah. oh yeah, of course. Uh, and, you know, he'd been a writer before that. He was an actor, he's in Swingers. You ever seen the Swingers with him and um, Vince Vaughn from the 90s? It was directed by, it was, it was Doug Liman's first film. Yeah, I think Doug years Lyman ago, went on to do. yeah. Doug so, um, is that how he talks? No, it's, it's a funny name well, you Doug want to Lyman. say. Doug Lyman. Uh, the Doug Lyman picture. <laughs> oh, you see that Lyman picture? Great yeah. picture. And he's, um, he, he's in that. And he made Elf, which obviously, great. very far removed yeah. from a blockbuster film, but great. Also, R.I.P. James Khan. Yes, I know. Sadly, you know, mentioned story, before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then he did a film which I remember being advertised, which I've never seen, which is called Zathora, A Space Adventure. <laughs> I know this film. I've not seen it. I don't think you could find a film that was more 2005 oh. than that film. It was a film that was always on Sky Movies. Yeah. Like You're always got there, like Zathora on Sky Movies Adventure. And it's just... Uh, what the hell is that? What yeah. is that? Is it based on a Bertie? Yes, Bucky film. And then, so just after those two, we've clearly been in the industry a while. A bit of a writer, a bit of an actor, you know, a bit of a director. Well, I've seen it. I assume it's like space. big special at that. Yeah, so space, he's, action. He's used to handing special effects. And then he does Iron Man in 2008. Huge success. Kicks off the whole franchise. Yeah. Does it very well. Comes back for Iron Man 2. And then also uh, is a recurring actor. And stars in, yeah. As, as, as Happy Hogan. And then also... Uh, so, sorry, so that's a massive break in his career. And then what does John Favreau do next? That's the interesting thing. So I love you, man. Wait, but no, no, he's in I Love You, man, <laughs> I know, as, as an actor. Funny. Um, so uh, but, do sorry. you play the piano? No. Decorator put it there. It's my John Favreau <laughs> okay. impression. Um, so I thought, after, after having that big success, and that's where he come from, what does he go on to do next? So he does the unbelievably forgettable film. I, can't, I actually forgot this film existed called Cowboys and Aliens. Oh my God, from, with Daniel from, Craig. Yeah, and um, Harrison Ford in 2011. Wild. Yeah. God, where did that film well, go? Well, you know what the problem was with that film? It's a film called Cowboys and Aliens that played it completely straight. It was a very serious I film. I didn't see it. I think if that film came out now, they would have so much more fun with it. Have what so year? many more games. 2011. Since Craig had done two Bonds, maybe? Yeah, he'd yeah, done, he done, he done, he done two. That, yeah. So, you know, he was established, he's around. Wow. And they had no fun with it. But that is such a kid's, like, uh, like toy box The title movie. suggests exactly. it would be funny and irreverent. Apparently, it no. was completely uh, dead. Okay, so he made that. Then three years later... He makes Chef. We've talked about oh, this a little yeah, bit before. Chef. So chef amazement, which is yeah, nice, fine. but I think... An I, enjoyable watch, but nothing e that... Even for... A, well, I watched it only recently. I only watched oh, okay. it I think, early this year, maybe last year. Even for a film that was made in 2014, and that feels very, very out of date. Yeah. There's something about the way that it's written and constructed. It's like male fantasy, male mm -hmm. ego. I'm a brilliant genius. 
Oh, look, oh, oh, I, my dilemma is that Scarlett Johansson and Sofia Vergara want to sleep with me. It's very Woody Allen Seinfeld-esque. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, a, yeah. a bit about nothing. Yeah, just kind of about a guy who wants to cook in a truck yeah. and, like, the male fantasy element yeah. of it. I'm just a guy doing comedy. I'm just a guy yeah. who cooks in a van. But he's then spun that off to be, like, a documentary series, I think. It's like the chef show. A he chat like, show, yeah. yeah, yeah. Does he start, is he hosting I so. it? I think so. Okay. Anyway, um, then, of course, he comes back to, like, main blockbusters with Jungle Book. Right, which I yeah. enjoyed. Actually, enjoyed. I thought this that, is yeah, not the Andy Circus. No, one. this is the, this the, first one. the 2016 one. I, I enjoyed it, but I couldn't now tell you those two films apart, and I don't think I remember anything particular about the plot. Did you watch the Mowgli one then? Yes, I think I did, and then I stopped okay. just because I got bored. I was like, I did just see this film right. a few years ago. Um, which, wait, sorry, was this Idris Elba's Shere Khan? Yeah, yeah. And, and, Bill, and Bill Murray is Baloo. I can't help but notice there's a strange there's a water truce. Yeah, yeah. And Christopher Walken doing the... Man cubs are forbidden. Yeah. Oh, see, what did you do Oh, man cub. I want to be like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I actually enjoyed the kind of... That 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 one. I enjoyed the the kind of Favreau photo reel. Yeah, the Favreau yes. one with the, the bell. I thought it was fun to play. I didn't go back and see Lion King. I, I wasn't really that interested. Lion King is the Lion King. So if you like the Lion, Lion King, King, you're, you're going like to get it again. Yeah. yeah. Whereas actually, at least this ju- the Jungle Book was had had less songs. It had whiffs of songs, but it yes. didn't actually like follow the original. Also, the Jungle Book came out in like 1967, and this came out in 2016. That's a good enough gap. Yes. But the Lion King. It, Came out you know, 1994, 95, I think, 95, yeah. and then you bring it back in 20, um, yeah, 2019. Come on, anyway. Yeah. And, then, and then that's the last one we did, and he also did one episode of The Mandalorian, and then he's moved, as you say, to more of a producer kind of uh, Lion King felt like someone scanned the cartoon and put like this incredibly AI smart real, real filter on it because it did just feel like you were, like, you were well, watching it. you go through TikTok, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. We put an AI filter over the <laughs> Lion King, and this is what we got. This is what it would look like, and it's just like if you gave it $100 million to redo it. Nothing wrong with it, but... Anyway, so that's a little background mm-hmm. about Jon Favreau. Now, this is one I bet nobody would be able to talk about. The Incredible Hulk, which we all know is like the, the most forgotten about, bottom of the pile, almost off-brand MCU Ed, Ed movie. Norton, yeah, it's, Liv Tyler. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's done completely in the style of like those like early noughties yes. superhero films. It's, disposable like, ten, it's like 10 years behind, ahead. Yeah. Sorry, 10 years behind. behind. It's like it was behind, 10 years yeah. ago. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a little bit trashy. It's directed by a French director called Louis Leterrier, right? Yeah. Who, previous to this, and I think this kind of, you can see this in The, in the Incredible Hulk, did the Transporter films. Yeah, okay. With Jason Statham. Do you remember those? Yeah, I've seen one, but I can't remember it. Very kinetic, but broad action, kind of like, um, it has a style, just like, like that kind yeah. of kinetism, but it's not. Also Jason Statham movies are, are like one piece, aren't yeah. they, in a way? There's that, there that era where he did the same kind of movies. Yeah. He's great. I like Jason all the Statham. Tran- all the transporter posters with the kid flying, like him flying through, through the, air. the air. <laughs> like blue smoke or, or orange yeah. smoke. And in the second one, he had two guns in his hands, yeah. not oh, just one. Just the two, Transporter <laughs> yeah. two. Uh, I don't. I remember watching uh, Transporter, and I remember there's just something in it about Orangina, and I was like, oh, it's set in France, and that was about that was about it. And I remember. Did you ever watch Crank? Jason no. Satan films no. where it's like he has to keep his heart rate up yeah, yeah, to yeah. go, yeah, that's a good time, I think, <laughs> from when I saw it. And then he goes on and he does Now You See Me, which I haven't oh, seen. Oh, yeah, I've seen Now You See Me. And then did you see Now You See uh, Me too? I think I did. I can't remember the second one. The first one is a bit divisive. Mm. Um, 
my friend is a magician, a very good magician. And he's like, you, you've made a film about magic. And yeah. there are so many cool ways that magicians do magic. And you've invented a load of really like fake tricks that can't be done as like the core part of your movie. Yeah, like, they can what, only be done with CGI or yes, something. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. like the way in which they're, they're doing tricks which are just like actually couldn't be done. Yeah. And I think that's not actually that interesting. Mm. Okay. But anyway. And then uh, he did Grimsby, which you talked about before. Yes, which oh, is, right, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, li- I liked I guess, it. I'm going to yeah, say I like Grimsby. Not? You've got this it's funny. director who's got solid grasp on action yeah. and blockbuster stuff, bring it to, uh, you know, you've got this Sash Baron Cohen comedy, and it, which requires this kind of action, yeah. um, over, weird genre blend film approach, right? Of Sasha Baron Cohen's films that aren't uh, live action interviews, which are real, right? It, well, his drama yeah. ones. I think it's the better of his dramas. Like The Dictator's no good. Yeah. Ali G in the House is, it's fine, but it's no way near as good as Ali G, full yeah. stop. So I think it's the better of his scripted okay. dramas. Interesting. Dramas. Uh, and then he films. did a couple of episodes of Lupin, which is on Netflix, right? Okay. So then you have Iron Man 2, John Favreau again. Then Thor. Less good Iron Man film. Iron Man 2. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like Iron Man 2. You like it. No, I'm saying it's a less, it's a less good Iron oh, Man Oh, I'm film. sorry. Yeah. I thought you said that it's good. Um, then you get Thor. Kenneth Branagh. And I remember even at the time thinking, Kenneth Branagh? That's what I think. But then you think about, oh, it's gods and kings and princes. It's all very Shakespearean if you're really going really to stretch it, yeah, stretch stretch it, it to well, that. Which makes sense because uh, most of his films were Henry V, yep. Hamlet, Much Do About Nothing. You've seen that one. I've seen Much Do About Nothing. That's got Denzel Washington in it, Keanu no, Reeves, no. Um, Michael Keaton, no. Emma Thompson. Very fun. I enjoyed that. Okay. And also Frankenstein. I don't know if you ever saw that. That's like him. It's very sort of um, um, melodramatic and, and, and romantic. That's like 1995, I think, no, or 97. Okay. Kenneth Branagh running around with his shirt off, like trying to make the, the monster in the lab the monster, by the way, who's, who's played by Robert De Niro, mm. of all people. Okay. Um, but still that, very like traditional literature. Yeah, hair blowing, and it's very sort of grand and gothic. And stuff. Yeah. And then I don't think he really made much after that and then director wise director wise oh he did I think he did a couple of other um, Shakespearean adaptations and then yeah he's been brought... on the stage as well wouldn't he yeah time. of course oh yeah he's, a, he's an actor as yeah. well but then but the fact him coming back for, for Thor was strange but I guess you're right the stretch is there with the kind of high concept but when you actually yeah. watch Thor it is a fairly generic there's a couple film, of scenes it? where it's royal drama the prince is not ready yeah. the betrayal of the brothers it's all very like yeah. but then you know it is uh, Marvel. But maybe that's it. Maybe they're just like, we don't need a big personality. We need someone who knows how to hold a camera, has a bit of a context in this field, and yeah. can just shoot. Who can attract the likes of Anthony uh, Hopkins. Uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I just thought Thor was fine. You know. Thor, Thor 1 is not as bad as people remember it to be. The yeah. second one makes you think oh, that they're okay. both terrible. Well, we'll get but, to that. Yeah, but yeah, Kenneth Branagh, I think, from that has lent more into directing, But well, that's right? what I'm saying. Yeah. So then off the, off the back of that, you get kind of Kenneth Branagh being not only a prolific guy. director, but actually yeah, moving into the blockbuster. So, so off the back of that, he does the very forgettable and now like out of date... Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit with did he di- Chris oh, he Pine. Did direct that. And he turns up in that as the Russian villain, yes. which he then basically does, does again, again in Tenet. Tenet. Yeah. Um, and even by the time, I mean, even in this point, I thought it was bad, but when he does it in Tenet, I thought, are we not past the era where a British actor does a Russian accent to play Russian villain? Could he not have just been British? Why, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Or get a Russian actor. Um, anyway, so he does Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which is with Chris Pine and Kira Knightley, wow, Kevin Costner. Yeah. It just feels like a different time because we're so used to John Krasinski now being in that role. Yeah. And that was obviously like built to set up a potential franchise that never went anywhere. It was like Chris Pine's first franchise post Star, Star Trek. Trek. Yeah. What year did Jack Ryan come out? 2014. And what year did um, the, the Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol come out? 2011. So I feel like that was doing that, that reboot of Mission Impossible was doing those films better than anyone yes. else was. And I feel point. like after that, Jack Ryan was a little mm. bit, eh, I've, I've had the better Ghost Protocol. Um, 
Then quite fittingly, he does one of the first Disney live actions, which is yeah. Cinderella. I think it might actually be the first live action. Richard Madden and um, Lily James. James yep. Who I'm now a big fan of. I was very, I was very like, uh, Lily James. Pam and Tommy. Yes. Yes, you're right. Well done. Then he makes Murder on the Orient Express, which I haven't seen and I don't really want to see. Because it is doing the so broad. I am Ecubrower with a man moustache. I have seen it and I forgot about it completely. Great. Are you going to see Death on the Nile? No. Uh, ooh, maybe? It's on Disney+. Plus. Um, it's giving me a really tired day. He's sorry. actually, can I say, in the space of a decade, he's crammed a lot in because he's also managed to do Artemis Fowl, which he came out in lockdown, which was meant, meant to be awful. Like, really? That was for Disney+. Plus, like, like really, really bad. It got wow. slated. Okay. But, like, that's still a proper studio-made, yeah. for all intents and purposes, blockbuster film. Right, okay. Um, and then, of course, he does Belfast. Great. Which we talked about earlier this, year. this year. In, in, the, in the winter yeah. days of this year. Yeah. But that's Ken Branner for you. Ken Branner. And in the meantime, he's also sort of boosted his career. Oh, he did a film as well called All Is Lost, which is about Shakespeare as well. So he's, he's clearly now a proper filmmaker. And it all started with Thor, somewhere improbably, but maybe somewhere not. It didn't all start with Thor. He was making films before. So for him, Marvel very much was a springboard to do a lot of a lot bigger yes. director And you'll projects. notice that coming going down, like it, it's the access to it. You take, like I said, director who's done small stuff. They come into Marvel. Well done, you do one film, that's fine. Off you go, go make some more blockbusters. Now yeah. you're a blockbuster director. And he did Harry Potter too. So he had that sort of big studio budget as experience an as an actor, yeah. Yes, he plays... Gilderoy Lockhart. In the Chamber, Chamber of Secrets. Secrets. Yeah. Yes, he does. Okay. Then we move on to... Okay, then you had Captain America, the first Avenger, right? Which was directed by... Do you know who it was directed by? Oh, Alan Silvestri? No, he's a, he's a composer. He's no, there's, yeah, he is a composer. He's a composer. <laughs> You're getting confused with Alan Taylor for Thor The Dark World. It was Joe Johnston, right? Joe Johnston, okay. Right. And he, made, he uh, you know, quite a veteran director, not necessarily in the blockbuster field. He made Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which was his first okay. film, yeah. with Rick Moranis. Then he made a film called The Rocketeer, which is kind of like, um, kind of, um, oh. uh, I think it's set in the 20s, kind of throwback. It's got the superhero template, but it's kind of nostalgic, which fits very fittingly for Captain America. So The Rocketeer, The Rocketeer, yes, this is kind of um, old fashioned, um, almost uh, like art deco styled movie. Yes, um, I know what you about mean. About a superhero that uh, I think maybe before the era of superhero films as we know it now was actually quite yeah. big. Not not big, but just, just kind of stands out. And I think that's the influence because then you get Captain America, which is set in the past, kind of glossed over with that retro sheen. But the thing is, the Captain America one is that, yeah, the, 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 the retro gloss is nice and stuff. But I just felt like... You know the, that like glow, filmy glow. Yeah, the, the, the sort of sepia tone elements. With, but yeah. the, I felt like the, the, um, the action never landed for me. I never, I never felt like I could feel like the Russos would do later with Captain America. Like, oh, he really lands a punch. I just that film was really it. exciting right at the end when he woke up in yes. New York. And yeah. I feel like that whole film should have been written into one act. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then Captain America should have started. That was such an obvious move to me. But anyway. The whole film feels a bit like that sleepy tale your grandpa tells you. As, as, as he's like, and there was this one time we went to Germany and we jumped out of a plane. And yeah. We did the, great. Like the whole thing with, uh, was it Skull, Red Skull? Uh, it's it's fairly interesting and engaging. It's also but quite generic. It's just very, it's very generic and it should that should that conflict should have been contained to one well, this half is a, of it you're still in that phase where marvel's kind of playing it safe you did they've, they've yeah. i mean you know I, I know ken Branagh hadn't done a lot of films but it's like he is still a safe pair of hands yeah um and like joe johnson safe pair of hands john favreau all, all kind of established okay and then of course you get 
Oh, sorry, just to note yeah. on John Favreau, like his comedy directing in Iron Man must have been so key for setting the comedic yes. tone for the entire rest of it because I do you do really well, see the rest that of the MCU. Yes, you do well, really see that t- Robert Downey Jr. brand of comedy bleed through the entire thing. Yeah, I actually think the James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy did that. I think I think that was the tipping point. True, actually, that was a big one. If you look at the kind of quips and jokes that happened in the John Favreau films, then happened in the Joss Whedon films, and then happened in the James Gunn, I think the James Gunn kind of witticisms work most yeah. successfully. Taika Waititi even now as well. But anyway. Yeah, then picks up the mantle. So anyway, um, then you get the, the the Avengers. The Avengers with, directed by Joss Whedon, who yes. was a, I wouldn't say a fan favorite, but had his foot yeah, firmly classics. in the kind of nerd geekdom zone. Yeah. Look, primarily a writer, Joss Whedon uh, is known to many people as writing Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. He was one of the screenwriters of Toy Story. Oh, was yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, he wrote things like, Alien Resurrection. He wrote this series called Firefly, which got cancelled. Then he directed yes. the movie of it. But firmly in this kind of sci-fi superhero nerd space. Like yeah. it, he was, he was um, you know... He got nerds. He got he nerd got nerds. He had, he had a real cachet that was be there to be tapped into. And if someone was going to throw all the toys in the same room, it's, it's a good yeah, yeah. pair of pants yeah. Everyone's like, oh yeah, Joss Whedon. And, and also he had like this distinctive style. He liked... He had a dialogue... Uh, there was a wittiness and a quippiness yes. to his dialogue. There's that... a great scene in the first Avengers where they're all uh, disagreeing in this little conference in mm. like one of the air pads. And the dialogue is so sharp and, yeah. and witty and it, you can tell this has been well thought out yes. and you're in safe hands. And, it's, and it's, it's from someone who is a writer and knows he's yeah. directed by a writer, right? But he'd only done that one film, Serenity. And then, yeah, he's given, he's given bloody um, the Avengers to do. And he does it. And I think we can both agree. We both like the Avengers. I think he handles it very well. Pull, pulls it off. Avengers 1 is almost cute now. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest it's film a bit of, passe, it, uh, of yeah. 2012, 2014. But it's like, it's, yeah, looking back on yeah. it now, you're like, yeah, it's funny that this was the biggest thing that yeah. happened then. Um, okay, so he did that. Also, I just thought I'd say, you know, there's, there's a, currently a wider conversation about Joss Whedon with some things that have been yeah, uh, things that the press. And, yeah. But, this is just going to talk about the films. That's what we're... Yeah, we're no, no the, reflection no, on directors of people. We're just intellectually interested in where everyone's come and gone. He followed that uh, you know, massive blockbuster, The Avengers, with this tiny little, like, sh- shoestring budget adaptation of Much Ado About Nothing, all, all shot in black and white. Got, like, was, was it you who told me that Joss Whedon is, like, a, a crazy out, uh, workaholic? Yes. And, oh, my TV's about to turn off. Uh, actually, just speak while I... Uh, yeah, he's uh, uh, he's he said that in interviews. He, he his idea of like going by the swimming pool and just relaxing for two weeks, like absolutely like. And him taking time him. off is like not doing the Avengers. It's doing like a smaller film. Yes, yeah. He, he basically said this in an interview. He was like, "This is him doing this much to do about nothing." Was his version of relaxing. Which is That's mental. what he did. He did the Avengers. He was just like, "Oh, I need to relax. I'm yeah. just going to go off and do a very small adaptation of Much to Do About Nothing with yeah. my friends. Okay, it's all going to be set in one house. And it's going to be fine." <laughs> That's what he did. Instead of like six hundred people in a studio I know. and like all the talent in the world. So he needed to exercise. So then he um, obviously comes back for Age of Ultron, yes. which I think we could say is probably the weakest of the, all the Avengers the films. Avengers, yeah, and fair. also now seems... It, it, Avengers, Age of Ultron, when you watch it now, is like, this is clearly just right before all of these characters got like rebranded and got updated and upgraded. Yeah. Thor is really straight-faced and boring. Captain America is just very righteous and, and moralistic. He, there's, there's no sort of... Great yeah, he got there. he got interesting in Civil War. Captain these America, all need to, yeah. you're like, these these are just before these characters get interesting, um, and then he's only been doing TV. I mean, except he did finish Justice League. Remember for yes for um, Zack Badly. Snyder, and then there was the whole thing like that's the weeding cut, which was such an obvious. Let's hand over to someone who's done this exact type yes, of film, but yeah. on the other side of 
Marvel and also, I think card. it was also that Whedon had fallen out with Marvel at that point. It was like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this for DC. Go, yeah, Apple to Microsoft. Yeah. That uh, 2017 Justice League is really bad. It's uh, it's just, it's a mess. Yeah. It really it's is. It's the 2020, it's not even the four hour one. Is that really any better? It's, it's not possible to talk about it. It's not a film. Yes. I've mentioned it. <laughs> it's a thing. Okay. Snyder Cut is a thing. Phase one's over. Then you get into phase two and you get Shane Black. Yes. Shane Black, primarily known as a writer, right? He, mm -hmm. he, um, I got it. He wrote basically all the lethal weapon, all the with, with weasel. I thought I thought I probably can. Um, <laughs> Shane Black was, you know, a screenwriter for many years. Wrote the Lethal Weapon films. Uh, had been an actor as well. He's in the original Predator. That's just one of oh, the grunts. Right. Nice. But uh, what the, his films are kind of marked by is again a bit like the Joss Whedon thing: distinctive d dialogue, witty dialogue, um, a kind of sort of like meta engagement with with genre. So he, he'd made this film called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yeah. I think was his first film he's directed, um, which is Robert Downey Jr. pre-Iron Man and Val Kilmer in like, it's set in Hollywood and it's kind of like a spin on uh, a noir detective story. It really feels like of a film of its time. And you, you've seen it. Years, yeah. like years ago, but yeah. I don't remember it well. Um, and yeah, you sort of got this kind of spin on uh, noir detective story and yeah. actors and stuff, but it's also kind of a commentary on yes. that and it's also about something like, it's a kind of a satire of Hollywood as well with agents and actors and directors. Yes. And you have, I think, I rewatched it uh, not too long ago and you have this really great chemistry between Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer mm -hmm. and also Michelle Monaghan. Do you remember I told you that story about Michelle Monaghan? I did in, in, oh, yeah, in yeah, New yeah, York. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, and and, it, and it's fun and it's with you. You kind of finish and go, ah, oh, I love that when it, it's clearly a passion and, and he's crafted this together. It's a really well-written piece. Mm -hmm. And what does he do? Next, he was brought on to do Iron Man 3. It's like, okay, this is a step in a new direction. We've had yeah. the kind of safe uh, blockbusters now. You're kind of going to give me a different approach. And Iron Man 3 is different. Um, you have the kind of... And John Favreau not returning for not Iron return, Man 3, exactly. right? Exactly. So, so the producer... Yeah, so it. John... And, and acting in it as well. Yes, yeah. So you, you know, I feel like the weird things that happen in Iron Man 3, like the Mandarin not being... Uh, yeah, you know where, where it's, where it's Trevor Slattery and it's, yeah. and it's just an actor that kind of yeah subverting expectation about who the villain is is kind of Shane Black's touch I mean there are really weak elements to Iron Man 3 the same way though you could tell when Aldrich Killian played by uh, Guy, Guy Pearce you could tell he was going to be a part of the villain yes. when like in the opening scene I'm like okay well he's yeah so uh, yeah the Shane I don't remember disliking Iron Man at the, Iron Man 3 at the time of watching it but I think I rewatched it many years later and went ah it's a bit is average. It? Yeah. I think I've only seen it once. Right. And, and, and bizarrely, like uh, uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, it's just set at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. It's just randomly a Christmas film. Yeah, I know. Um, so the Shane Black influence is there, maybe a little bit limited. Then off at the back of that, he kind of has this like, oh, Shane Black, you can now be a proper filmmaker. I'll go off and make your stuff. So he goes off and makes this film called The Nice Guys, which again, a bit like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah. set in LA. Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling yeah. as private detectives in the 70s. You Two different styles, they team up together to solve this case. And you do get what you got in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is witty dialogue, playful examination of the genre and uh, satire of Hollywood. Um, it's okay, the nice guys. There is there was a joke in it that really, really made me laugh in the cinema. I'm talking like made me laugh for a good minute, and I'm going to do it now and completely butcher it. But it's where, so it's Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, and they go uh, and speak to this old lady about what she saw as a witness, and they're getting in the car afterwards. And Russell Crowe's like, "I think we should go in and investigate what she said. Uh, follow her lead." And Ryan Gosling's like, 
no, we can't listen to her. You can't, she's as blind as a bat. Are you kidding me? She's like, no, we should follow. Yeah, she, she uses Coke bottles for glasses. If, you, if, if she saw a Volkswagen Beetle with a mustache going, oh, no, I've got to do this whole joke again. No, do this whole joke no, again. I'm with you. I'm oh, no, with you. No, no, no. Sorry. Just, just go for it. No, I get it. So she says, we can't trust her. She uses Coke bottles for glasses. If you drove with a Volkswagen Beetle with a mustache <laughs> going, I can't do it. I can't do it. Let me get you in my head why are you melting? Uh, I'm not cutting this. I'm just keeping it. The lady's crazy. She uses Coke bottles for glasses. What do you mean? I'd say if you drove a Volkswagen Beetle with a mustache on past her house, she'd say, oh boy, that Omar Sharif sort of runs fast. Oh, I can't even say it. Cut it. Cut it. Oh, I I'm just laughing I'm so sorry. I can't. I, you built it you know up. what's so annoying is that, like, in your head, I was like, I remember this scene. And when you're talking about it, it's like this other part of you, my brain is gone. You do, you saw this six years ago. Yeah. And why are you trying to pull this out? <laughs> I'm so sorry to Shane Black for completely George. ruining that and ruining the best joke in that film. I'm so sorry. Anyway, then he went on and directed The Predator, right? Which I didn't see, but got really hammered and, and and i've seen i've okay i've kind of read up about it and it yeah. seems like a complete mess it's like four different films going on at once um you've got like um, you know jacob tremblay here key from key and peel in it here and and uh, sterling k oh. brown and olivia munn and it's like what the fuck and i only know about this film because you and i went for a drink once with your friends and it was on on a screen behind us and i couldn't stop looking at it <laughs> it's one of those films that looks really yes, bad i you remember can't stop it, yeah watching. Um, and unfortunately, I feel like that has cut Shane Black's sort of like blockbuster making phase mm. like to a halt. I'm sure he's working on other projects and he'll come back on stuff. But it's like, oh, okay, there you go. You you, you came in with Iron Man 3, you had your nice guys, mm. and then you kind of funked it with the Predator, mate. Right. So off you go. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of production stories behind that where he would say, oh, no, it's studio involvement. They wanted to do this. They wanted yeah. to do that. Anyway, there you go with that. Okay, quickly next up, Thor The Dark World, often regard, also regarded as one of the weakest Probably MCU films. Probably the worst yes. MCU film, takes itself far too seriously. You've got Christopher Eccleston as the villain. As Man- unrecognizable awful. as Malcolm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the whole film has pretty to say bad. about it? It's about a bunch of nothing getting attached to something. It's like literally yeah, about, really they call, there's a thing called the ether and people refer to when something's in the ether as having been nowhere because we used to regard, the ether was a plane of existence in science. Stop, that we, yeah. stop I'm going to stop right there. I don't care, you're yeah. boring me to death. And, and the whole film go. is so boring and grey and just like, oh. the and dark elves. The only to... point of that film existing is to be in Avengers Endgame. When you think about it, like the, the, the Avengers yeah, Endgame makes, makes you go, oh, at least Thor The Dark World. I guess they needed, relevant. It. I yeah. needed it for that. Okay, so uh, that's directed by Alan Taylor, though. Alan Taylor was not a film director. He was a veteran TV director. He'd been involved in Sopranos, Mad Men, and yeah. crucially, Game of Thrones. He'd been helming the big Game of Thrones but episodes. Like you say those three out, you go, oh, what a... Yeah. What a that's also not to mention his, his also non-drama stuff. He did loads of Sex in the City... So yeah. he was a veteran TV director. And, you know, Game of Thrones is like handling a movie. You know, the big budgets, the big spectacles. And he had sure. done some of the big ones. I think he didn't do... He might have done the battle at the end of season two of Game of Thrones, you know, with the, the wall, the, yeah, the, 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 black, the dragon battle. fire. Yeah. But he did Thor The Dark World and it did not work, mate. I'm sorry. And it's interesting because you don't feel the presence of a director. Maybe that's why they got Taika Waititi because they needed someone who had can actually give this a handle instead Chris- of just... 
I've heard interviews where Chris Hemsworth famously said, look, if we're going to do another one, I, I just want it to feel fresh. I don't want to do the same thing because yeah. it's not working. He must have known that the yeah. film was bad and he wanted to do something cool. Yeah. Um, so then Alan Taylor is like, okay, you made this pretty ropey film. Are you going to go off and make more blockbusters? He does. He makes Terminator Genesis. Oh, I know. Do you feel the sting? Didn't see it, oh. but just for wow. me either. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. But we, With Amelia it, Clark. It's funny, like that and The Predator. We just know it's like, I think we should avoid that. We know the cultural it's conversation. Peak Amelia Clark it. fame, like coming out of the mm. Game of Thrones. Matt Smith's in that pre Crown. Post really? Doctor Who, but pre Crown. And he's in that kind of wilderness. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Jai Courtney. Just, just, I've seen so many clips in that film. I'm like, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm never going to watch but it. What was the reason? Well, they did another Terminator film recently. They did uh, Dark Fate, Dark which completely Fate. cuts out like Terminator 3, Salvation, and Genesis. Just pretends it doesn't exist. Oh, okay, fine. Um, and then most recently he made The Many Saints of Newark, which makes sense, which is the Sopranos prequel film. Yes. So it's like, that's clearly adapted from TV. Okay. So it's like, okay. But is, that, is that good? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. But no. I think it's just interesting. You have a veteran director dealing with big budgets and big storylines. Doesn't quite stick the landing when he moves yes. over to, to film. Okay. Also, I'm not laying all the blame of the director's feet with all these because no, like, there's so many an observation about they've how they pass through the machine. Okay. It's an unavoidable step in a career to, to go from. It's a before and after yeah, for most directors. Exactly. Okay, next up. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. This is very significant because it's the first time Anthony and Joe Russo directed a Marvel film. Who are the Russo brothers? Well, they had been involved in directing loads of TV and a lot of TV comedies for a long time. They had made one film, um, maybe more than one film, but one film that stood out when their first ones was Welcome to Collinwood. Now, I remember this film purely because when I was a kid, I used to drive by the cinema and they would just put a sign up with physical letters yes. to say what was on the side. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the C of Collinwood had fallen off. So every time we drove past it, we were like, welcome to Ollinwood, okay? <laughs> and then we eventually rented it from Blockbuster. I'm talking maybe about eight years old here. We watched it and it had George Clooney in one scene where he's in a wheelchair. It's got William H. Macy in it. It's got Sam Rockwell in it. Um, uh, Isaiah Washington, I think as well. And it's just like, fine. It's like not quite so, it's kind of wanting to be Soderbergh-y, post um, uh, Ocean's see. Eleven, a little bit trying to be a bit Coen Brothers-y as well. Doesn't really work. And then they, uh, one thing that I was... Um, uh, associate them with is, is TV comedy, so they do Arrested Development and also Community, which I have you ever seen Community? Yeah, yeah brief episodes. So Community, yeah. you know, sitcom rich in film references, rich in kind of like nerd nerddom and drawing that out. And it's like you have Dan Harmon's scripts and that. The Russos are very good at taking the sort of complex um, build of jokes throughout episodes and throughout stories and throughout scenes yeah. and making it watchable and readable, which makes I guess them the perfect fit for not only you know, doing one film, but weaving the like greater Infinity Saga together. It landed the plane. Absolutely. Yeah. But with Winter Soldier, I think it completely reboots Captain America. It lands oh, its punches. Completely. It lands its punches literally where everyone, every punch really had yeah. a thud. Yeah. And it, I think a lot of people, when you recommended the Winter Soldier to them, they were like, oh, really? Captain yeah. America? But when you saw it, you were like, that was great. Yeah. That is a, is a film about a superhero who really, I feel like, has cool powers now. Yeah. And then, yeah, there's there's so many great scenes. There's the, ele the elevator scene, which yeah. I, I love that they sort of referenced it in Again, uh, yeah. uh, Infinity. Uh, Endgame, Endgame, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, great. Uh, yeah. Nice reboot for Captain America. Yeah. And then, obviously, now they are, like, the one of the, the, the biggest, like, directing duo. Yeah, in, when, in, when in they Hollywood. went to do Civil War, was it known by that point that they were going to do Avengers 3 and 4? Or was it once they finished Civil War, it was, like, you I think the best it was, people to handle I this? I think by the time Civil War came out, it had been agreed. But clearly, like, 
as Civil War was finishing wrapping up, I guess like Kevin Feige looked at him and was like, let's go for it. They must have already had, because that was Avengers 2.5, really. Yeah. And they have, must have had all the characters in the room. You see these directors handling yeah. all these different threats. You must have gone, it makes sense for you guys yes. to, to take this forward. Um, and what they've done afterwards, they've done lots of projects with, well, they've only been able to do two films. They've been very preoccupied with Marvel, obviously. So yes. they obviously do uh, Captain America Civil War and then they do Avengers that's Infinity probably War. probably a full-time undertaking. Avengers Endgame. That's, yeah, pretty full. But they managed yeah. to crack out Cherry, which I didn't see, which Tom is... Tom Holland. Tom Holland came out on Apple TV, I, I think. It. It, plays a, it plays a junkie veteran. Yeah. And also The Grey Man, which is coming onto Netflix, like, this week, I think, um, with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans... Yeah, Luke's what's the... quite generic. I think it's okay. a hitman, mistaken identity. Okay, I've not okay. been able to gauge what. Here's the thing with the Russo good. brothers. I don't know if they have like a dis- a distinguishing style. Yes, or... because it's been ninety percent of what they've done that we've seen what? is is Marvel it's, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, do they have a style outside of Marvel? That's what I'm going to be interested to see. Do Did they... they do a film with Chadwick Boseman? They produced Twenty One Bridges. That was it. I yeah. thought they directed, but they produced it. But yeah, all these sort of Marvel talent, they're just kind of yeah. fanning out. A bit like how in Chef. Um, John Favreau was able to get like Robert Downey Jr. in it. It's got yeah, hands and all these yeah, Marvel yeah. talent. Okay, okay, and uh, then okay, two more. Sorry, there was a really. Did you hear Taika Waititi talk about the embarrassing thing he said to Natalie Portman? No. So apparently he's behind like behind the scenes shooting Thor: Love and Thunder, and you know how Taika Waititi's doing the next Marvel uh, Star Wars films. Okay. He Natalie Portman's like, oh, so what are you working on next? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just going to do some of those Star Wars films. Yeah. And then he goes to her, would you like to be in a Star Wars film? Have you ever been in one? And she was like. <laughs> I've been in a Star Wars film and he had completely forgotten oh, that she yeah. did three. <laughs> it's like oh, really awkward art. It's like, oh, what, would you ever want to be in a Star Wars film? <laughs> Who'd you play? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Another, I think, uh, important film in the sort of history of Marvel and in terms of the temples, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. I think that's important. We mentioned earlier. Almost on par with like the actual first Avengers because it's one of the first films to be like, okay, we know we can do solid superhero films. Mm. We know we can do this. We're going to take a leap and try and get an audience to see a film about a talking raccoon in a tree. And it was an IP that unless you were really into your yeah. comics, no one had yeah. heard of. On the poster, there was no big star, really. Yeah. Zoe Zaldana, but she was green. And, <laughs> and Chris Pratt wasn't really uh, Chris known Pratt for that. Chris Pratt was known for Parks and Rec at yeah. that point, pretty much. Um, and yeah, it and was, they hadn't been te- they hadn't really been teased. No, the, the characters hadn't turned up in previous. And at films. the time, that space funk look and feel was not yeah. s- like the popular yeah. look and feel that it is today. Yeah. It was kooky and strange. I remember and looking it, at it, thinking, "Okay, that put that poster thing. Okay, are they going to pull this off?" Almost so. It was, it was almost generic space at the time. I was yeah. like, it almost feels like it's just a bunch yeah. of mushy nothing. There was that kind of fear, like, "Oh god, this is going to be. This could be where Marvel goes too far, and people are just going to think, what is this?'" And How they're going to reject link? it. How does this thing? T- if it's not linking time, man, I don't want to watch it. Of course. It didn't. It was a huge success. And I think personally, one of my, one of my favorites of the, yeah, whole, of the whole series. Introduced that dialogue. Directed by James Gunn. Of course, we know James Gunn now, but James Gunn um, was kind of known for doing these kind of like um, grungy, um, they kind of called, called Troma. Like Troma was the name of an entertainment studio and they, yeah. they made films that were very kind of like splatter comedy, horror, horror comedy, um, you know, very um, uh, 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 real effects. Yeah. Violence, kind of goo, sponginess, goo, yeah. sponginess, ugh, like squelchy. And kind like, of. I like the prison breakout sequence and that. You really see the DNA of, yes. of the goo and the sponge, and yeah. And he made a film called Sliver, and he made. Uh, he was also a writer for the Scooby Doo film. I also feel like, sorry, in the James Gunn film set, like the way in which costumes were designed of like weird alien planets and the way that people yeah. dress, I feel like has breached into the rest of Marvel. You yes. notice that in in Thor, in yeah. Thor, Ragnarok. That's the, he definitely things. had a set style for how the the, the space is kind of captured so 
He Bradley also, Cooper, sorry. Bradley Cooper was in it, but not on the poster. That's the thing. Yes, he's, yeah, he's and playing, Vin Diesel as well. Yeah. And, and Vin Diesel, yeah. Um, then he, he also made this film called Super, which is probably what got their attention. Super is this film that came in 2010 with Rain Wilson from The Office and um, Elliot Page. Um, and it was I about... So. Uh, oh, it's kind know. of, again, it's like a comment on... It's, it came out sort of... Unfortunately, the similar time as Kick-Ass, and I think it kind of got lost in the in the uh, noise. I don't know if it's actually that good, but um, Rain Wilson basically plays a vigilante. He dresses up in this stupid like yeah, latex outfit. He's like, hey, shut up, crime. And it's got these explosions of like sudden violence. And I've seen a clip where he hits a guy on the head with a wrench and it's like properly like... Um, and I think probably that got the attention of Marvel. It's like, oh, so you clearly know how to deal with kind of like a superhero conversation mm-hmm. and, and how to incorporate that. And we'd like your kind of... Um, practical tact- tactile uh, appreciation mm. of um, the the law and gooiness and space stuff. Why don't you go and do Guardians of the Galaxy? To great success. And he does Guardians of the Galaxy. And he does Guardians of the Galaxy too. And then he gets fired from Marvel for a long thing that we can't... Well, it just takes too long to explain on here. Yeah. But he's now been yeah, rehired. I'm sure you heard about James yeah, Bond. since for, rehired. For historic and... tweets that he made. And now he's been rehired to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is meant to be coming out next next year. And in the meantime, he was he like... Did, well, he did. The Suicide like, Squad. Do, he was like, like going to go to DC yeah. and make... He did a Joss Whedon. He was like, well... <laughs> I, and uh, he went and made The Suicide Squad, which was... Better. Better. But still fine. Just fine. Yeah. It had an, an idea and it was okay. Um... But that's all, that's all that's, I have to say. That's all I have to say about it. Uh, that definitely had the kind of grungy, gooey, you know, yeah, with like yeah, the, you the see. face huggers and the big star, star. Yeah, it's like blood and the way thing people fell. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's a way the of... squelchiness. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and, the, and the, the, the shark eating people, you know. And, yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that is James Gunn. Okay. Last up for this section. In 2015, you get Ant-Man. Now, of course, mm. this is where you're thinking... Edgar Wright was going to direct Ant-Man. It's, it's the oh, biggest great. thing uh, You know, uh, really bringing in someone with a distinctive style and distinctive flair. And he makes movies in one kind of way. Yeah. yeah. And as he famously, famously said, I really wanted to make a Marvel movie, but I don't think they wanted to make an Edgar Wright movie. And, you know, he got into production, there were screen tests, there were things mm. done, and there are things in the final Ant-Man film that uh, still you bear tell Edgar, Edgar, Edgar Wright. Wright's, um, you know, brand. But he was kicked off the project. And I think most people, when they talk about Ant-Man, they know that. But people don't talk about Peyton Reed, who came in as a replacement. Peyton Reed has a very firm grasp on uh, film comedy, right? Yeah. He'd done um, Yes Man yeah, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. He had done quite forgotten film now, The Breakup with Jennifer Aniston, and Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston, which I've heard yeah. people talk about is actually very good now. It's not bad. People have uh, people have said, no, no, you need to go back and watch that. It's not a, it's not a com, it's not an all out comedy. Yes, it yeah. has like some very serious, yes, like drama esque right. things to, but to it do. It was that. sold as like a rom com. It sold that I remember the poster really clearly. It was they're both the folding their arms in bed and there's like duct tape yeah. dividing up the wall. Um, which yeah, it's a comedy poster, but it's not. It's a drama. But the film that. I want to go back of Peyton Reed's and rewatch because I saw it when I was really young. It's a film from 2003 called Down With Love, right? A 60s set kind of pastiche of um, a booming American commercialized TV where you have um, Ewan McGregor as this kind of flamboyant playboy character coming against oh, Renny no, Zellweger yeah. as a... Um, that poster's really yeah, something. Um, <laughs> a, a, you know, sort of a, a feminist writer and they have this kind of clash and sparks fly, but also there's an attraction there as well. And um, from what I've been reading about it, they say this film's got such an affection for its era. It's really well written. It's really funny and really sharp in terms of its direction that um, I almost think, ah, I want to go back and rewatch that and then I want to trace that through. It makes sense that Peyton Reed, with his handle then on comedy, would take Ant-Man and guide it 
in a fairly straightforward way, but yeah. enough to let Paul Rudd breathe and let Michael Pena breathe and 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 guide that through to where it is now. And, and I'm also now thinking I want to see what Peyton Reed does after after Ant Man and all the Ant Man. I know he's done. He's doing the third one as well, right? He's doing Quantum second Ant Man film. As he did, well. and, yeah. he's gonna, and he's going to do the third. I want to see what happens. The first Ant Man was fine. I think I, yeah. I think I liked it. I think that I loved the just the idea of like making things really small and feeling really big. Yes, so obvious, but like that was nice. And I found the second one very I, uh, yes, incredibly disposable. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that. Well, uh, I'm not saying that I think those films were, were great either. I just think that it's a classic case of oh, this this very disposable film that I've just watched actually comes from a director who's actually done some interesting work in the past and may go on to do interesting things again. And yeah. it's like, I almost want the Marvel phase of Peyton Reed's career to be over now so we can see just see what he goes on yeah. to, what, what he's learned. Because this is like a training ground. You can't stick around in the MCU forever. No. James, mm-hmm. that is it, maybe just halfway through the MCU and their directors. They've done okay? a lot of films. They have done a lot of films. <laughs> But you and I, we want to continue this conversation. Mm-hmm. But we're aware people have got places to go. We people could, got places to be. Yeah. And we could be here a good few more hours talking about this. And, you know, we've got a lot of much... Like, the, the first half of Marvel is fairly... Standard. Spotty. Yes. <laughs> and the second half, it, you know, we've got many more exciting... I mean, we've covered the Russo brothers, yes. but we can talk about their film's duration. But second half is, is yeah. good stuff. We've got some exciting directors coming up to talk about. So this is actually going to be the first part of a double bill episode. Oh, mind blown! What all along twist? This has actually been the first part. It's like the end of uh, um, what's that film? What's that film with uh, Split? It's like the end of Split when you're like, this is a this is a single oh, to unbreakable. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, this has actually been the first episode. And what we're going to do next week, we mm. are going to continue this conversation, really finish and and just get to the heart of what Marvel has been doing with its directors. Where the directors are going next? Yeah. So stay tuned, and we hope you found this conversation interesting. And let us know what you. Directors you've appreciated in the MCU. Well, directors you think would be good. For oh, that's projects. good. That yeah. would be cool. Who would you like to see get involved? Who's out there? Because I'm sure that they just get everyone now. Yes, did you do. see that um, Taron Egerton is being asked to play Wolverine? Can they just let? Can they just let the characters? They're doing X Men. They're doing X Men. They're doing X Men. Yeah. Anyway, directors. There you go. Stay tuned for part two. George, we got loads of emails this week. Fantastic. So good. Thank you so much for writing yeah, into thanks, the guys. show. We are always together, just like really, you know, humbled when people write into the show. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is really nice that someone thought they could write into the show. Genuinely, I know we say genuinely, we, we, we really, it means a lot to us. And you, give us you such are great, interested enough to want to talk to us. Always great it. questions. And if you want to write into the show and have your email read out, you can do by emailing hello. At With the caveat that, oh, of course, we do always have a bit of a time constraint and we might not always get to you. We yes. can't promise that we're going to read out your email. We do but our we best. Do re- we do definitely read them. Some Sometimes you email us like the afternoon after we record and we just you're gonna have to wait a, a while. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like Greg did. Uh, Greg says, hey guys, thank you for making Pulp Kitchen every week. Just discovered oh, you guys you. a few weeks ago and I look forward to every time you post a new video. Yay. So he's given us, he's separated. He's given you a question, he's given me a question. Ooh. Interesting. He doesn't want to hear what uh, I have to say. Or he wants me to answer something okay, on something I like else. It. So I like it. My first question is for George. After your very thorough and insightful breakdown on TV in the 2010s, thank you. What, uh, if you don't know, George did a really good breakdown of- If you of, say so yourself, yes. I yes. thought was great. You went through sort of this, a decade in TV from yeah, like it was about the, yeah, the, about the golden age of TV, really. We just talked about all the different shows that were, that were temples for that, so please go and check that out if you haven't. Uh, after your very thorough and insightful breakdown on TV in the 2010s, 
What would you say are your deciding factors for starting a new show? I feel like there have never been more TV mm. shows and services screaming for your attention. Is there anything you look for in particular or anything that you know to avoid when deciding what to watch? I feel like I'm very reliant on recommendations from friends. Starting a new show is a big time commitment, especially if it can't deliver a good ending or doesn't know where it's going. Um, interested mm. to hear your thoughts. Okay, so on the TV, I think that is a hard one because increasingly, because there's so much out there, mm. I almost feel like I've pulled my drawbridge up and I had to be like, right, only a very, very minimal amount could come in and out because I there's just too much out there otherwise. The friend it's, recommendations one is big, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, do you know what? I, one of my least favorite things is when you're at work and people start talking about what TV they're watching. Yeah. Because I'm not saying that these people don't know what they're saying. I, I'm not saying that the show isn't good that they're talking about or that yeah. they don't, that they're wrong in thinking that show is good. It's that there is so much TV out there now. It's just so transactional. Have you been watching this? No. What platform is it on? Oh, this. And uh, is it any good? Yeah. How many episodes? It's yeah. good, but the first season yeah, is like not so those, good. And it's, yeah. just, it's, it's, it's just too complicated now. Um, I think off the top of my head... Just fix it on mic. Continue. I'm sorry. Off. I, I think it, I think off the top of my head, one thing that really always interests me is when you have uh, an actor and a named uh, you know a, a, a named bit of talent yeah. in a role or using TV to explore a part of their kind of range that they haven't typically done. So, uh, for example, there's a TV sh- series coming on at the moment on Channel Four with Simon Pegg playing a character at GCHQ. It's a, okay. it's a series, it's a oh, drama, wow. right? And that I mean actually intrigued me because I was like, okay. We all know Simon Pegg. Actor you trust has got Actor I know has been in good stuff, but also is a comic actor for for all intents and purposes. Seeing him something, I I was like, that actually kind of works. GCHQ is not a glamorous... uh, You know, it looks very real, this show, and he's not, you know, a glamorous kind of movie star. He's a very British-looking actor. Yeah. So... I found myself thinking, oh, that's quite intriguing. I'm, I'm almost just intrigued just to see how Simon Pegg fares in a different zone because if, if he's... Comedy su- to drama transition. Exactly, because so if good. he succeeds, then we might actually be watching the beginnings of a whole new phase of yeah. his career. That interests me. Um, I think I'm always a bit wary about uh, shows that are really trying to launch you on a, a big concept uh, because they can backfire. I mean, that's why... I, I mean, Severance you've recommended to me and I yes. will watch. And, I, and also as I've seen interviews with celebrities where all of them are saying, oh, I was watching Severance actually. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. So I will check that out. But I think, I don't know, some things that sometimes take the leap, I'm a bit... Um, but that thing about watching an actor break into new territory is kind of what began what I was saying before. Like That's why like True Detective was really interesting. Because you're mm. like, oh, McConaughey and Woody Harrelson doing something else. Yes. Um, yeah, I... I would say that off the top of my head. Yeah, I feel like certain studios for me uh, dictate a barometer of quality. Like if an HBO is doing something, I'll be like, oh, well, I, they, they, their yes. steel of quality is the highest, I think, currently at the moment, yeah. if I'm counting. But no, yeah, it's true. a tricky one. Sorry, the wild hogs are back in town. Um, my question for James is about HBO's upcoming adaption of The Last of Us. I watched back your review of the Uncharted film. Adaptation. Where you said, adap- sorry, adaptation. I just said technically, it's, I studied adaptation at uni, so technically Thank it's you. adaptation. Adaptation of The Last of Us. I watched back your review of the Uncharted film where you said you were a Last of Us fan. What are your thoughts on the upcoming TV show? The game is one of my favorite pieces of narrative media. I'm personally very skeptical of video game content being moved into the TV or film realm. Yep. Historically, it's always been a bad step, e.g. Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia, Max Payne, to name a few. Yeah, there are way, there are way more bad ones than that. Um, but I did agree with your Uncharted review that it's not great, but it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. Either way, curious to hear what you think. Um, yes, uh, Greg, I am also a huge fan of The Last of Us. As I said, it is one of the most... Uh, uh, Think about an, a piece of narrative media, game or film that's properly stuck yeah. with me. Last of Us is one of them. Uh, there are a few things about this show that make me think, okay, I'm not going to just write it off. And one is the HBO seal of approval, and it's got—I can't remember his name—but it's the guy who's directing. It, it's the guy who did Chernobyl, which was also brilliant. Oh, which was, it was fantastic. Yes, oh, which was fantastic. It wasn't Andrew 
Dominic, was it? No. Is it? Oh, no, I don't remember. Sorry, I don't have the name for me. Yeah, George, go look it up. Um, so that the fact that that guy is attached, who was fantastic uh, putting that together, and I see tonally the crossover between the Chernobyl and Last of Us effect. Another reason why I am really into this... Who was it? It's Craig Mazin. Craig Mazin. And it's Thank actually because he actually used to write like comedies. He wrote like Identity Thief. And I used to listen to his podcast he did with John August. He, as a, it was a screenwriting podcast. Yes. And then he went and did this sort of massive gear change in terms of tone and genre of him and did Chernobyl. Oh, and yeah, now, which was fantastic. And now he's doing The Last of Us. So yeah, I agree. Great. Yeah, so like that, that, that talent being involved is fantastic. Uh, HBO being involved. And then the other one is that the guy who wrote and co-directed The Last of Us game is a guy called Neil Druckmann, who's like a genius. He's one of the best writers. He has been absolutely involved in the entire formulating of this series. And he's even directed a couple of the episodes. Okay. I've like watched a documentary on The Last of Us and hear him talk. So I like, for me... Those and uh, Pedro, Pedro Pascal, Pascal, great, and Bella Thorne as, as, as Ellie, I think is great casting. I think so far, a lot of ducks are lining up to make this really special. Um, I'm going to try not be too protective of it when I watch it. That, 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 this is what I said originally about Last of Us, is that it, the Last of Us game is not, is not it, it wasn't like, oh, if only it was more cinematic, it would be better. The video game was able to produce so much of what it needed to tell its story effectively. So... Look, it's going to bring it to a whole new audience, which I think is great. I, I'm hopeful and cautiously optimistic, but as Greg yeah. is, I'm burned by literally everything else that has been before it, which tried to take yes. something from the video game realm and put Boys it into and TV and film. Yeah. Uncharted wasn't awful, but it wasn't amazing. The fact that it's been produ in production for such a long time, though, the yeah. last of us show is a bit worrying. Yes. Because it's, it's not in the same hands for the, for seven years. It's changed yeah. hands numerous times. Do you remember one point it was going to be Maisie Williams? And then... Yeah, Maisie Williams. I, I think um, originally it was going to be a film because yes. Neil Druckmann was attached to write an yeah. adaption for the film, but I think it would work much better as a TV show. It's a long story which travels through. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I am um, kind of a little bit excited, but I'm, I'm tempted okay. expectations. Uh, and then Greg just says, uh, P.S. Keep up the great work. Production values are top notch. Looks great and sounds great. Thank Not you. sure how you both ma uh, both manage jobs and this channel at the same time. With, All the best. With great effort <laughs> with great. and great difficulty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have to say. Uh, oh, Greg, thank you so much. For haven't slept in three months. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't have a name for this one. Oh, sorry. This is from Perry. Perry says, you'll like this. Me and my friend have a funny but pragmatic way of categorizing movies based on quality, which I think you guys will find amusing. Firstly, we have Flicks. These are your run-of-the-mill, scary movie-esque films. American Pie, Jack and Jill's, etc. Flicks that can be movies... Fl sorry, Flicks can be movies if they're good enough, right? Right, so it's, like, it's like disposable but actually quite good. Yeah, it it's can a be flick. good. You're it's a go flick. See a flick. No, no, it's a, yeah, flick it off. Element of flippant, disposable, okay. Secondly, we have Movies. Your typical action blockbuster that usually tends to be a movie. For example, Transformers, Fast and Furious of others of that ilk. Okay, right? I kind of get it. Yeah, kind of uh, bigger, brasher, yeah. bolder, it moves. Loud, louder. Yeah, it's not a flick. It's, 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 it's a movie. It's a, going to, you're going to a, 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 a picture house. It's not a picture house, sorry, a, a movie complex. Multiplex. Multiplex, yeah. thank you. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. Um, thirdly, there's films. Which, for some mm. reason, we feel as if the word film holds more weight and prestige. I know what you mean. Yes. These are your higher quality movies. Irishman, Blade Runner, yes. Pursuit of Happiness, Boiling Point, James Bond, happiness. Another Round, etc. Right? right? Fourth and finally, we have pictures. Mm. Films that just transcend culture, change cinema, leave you with visceral emotion or are massive in scope, which executes a high concept. For example... Interstellar, Schindler's List, Citizen Kane, Greece, Lord of the Rings. Greece. All of these can be enjoyed 
in their own right. Hope this wasn't too winded for your show, as I think it's quite a funny way of categorizing yes. films, and it's definitely a debate beginner. Thank you, Perry. P.S. Bring back the food. <laughs> We're going to keep on this. <laughs> keep on okay, interesting there. So you've got flicks, movies, films, pictures. pictures. Okay, I, I see where he's going, and I think that it, obviously I, it's I, I First of all, I wasn't saying that Greece is bad. It's not, I, don't, I don't like Greece. I just would have associated Greece with being a, a flick? A flick? No, 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 no. I think it would have been a movie slash film. Sure, maybe no, no, a movie. Really, I think, no, I think I, Greece is a movie. Now it is, but at the time would it have been a flick? Yeah, I'm going to go see Greece. Yeah, at the time it would have been yes, a flick. Right? Yeah, okay. Um, I think with what you're saying about film, I get that it's like movies are the multiplex and films you see at like the Curzon and the yeah. Everyman and the Picture House, and I and I know what you mean about picture because whenever I've seen like a really good film, yeah, um, I, 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 I understand when it's like it's got the vision as well. It's, I, I send this, this gif or this meme to, to friends, which is a picture of Al Pacino in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's talking yeah. about Rick Dalton's career. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, do you remember Al Pacino? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's closing his eyes, he's leaning back and he goes, oh, what a picture. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that would have been, oh, so this, did you see that film? Yeah, That's yeah, also an old fashioned way of calling like, go to the picture. Yeah, go to the picture. So when yeah. he was talking about that, yeah, Blade, um, no, not Blade Runner, the, uh, what was the ones he put in for picture? Uh, pictures he put Interstellar. Schindler's List, yeah. Citizen Kane, Greece, Lord of the Rings. Interesting. I would also put it like Lawrence of Arabia. But the fact yes. also he put Blade Runner in for films. Blade Runner is a picture. I yeah, think. so it, it depends. I guess it, it depends on personal opinion. What, yes. How good... Or, 2001 as a picture. Yes, 100%. I yeah. think when you're taking... The Shining. Great picture, scale, yeah. great ideas. and yeah, 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 Shining is a picture. Yeah. Film is just prestigious. Film can be very small as well. Yes. Because um, Interstellar is like big budget could easily be... A movie, yeah. but it's it's good enough, and it it, yeah. it sets a precedent for how we shoot space and, it, and ta- yeah, also it, reaches for kind of themes that are kind of deep and bold. Yeah, very subjective. I get what you're saying, and and, and actually, I like it. I, actually, I prescribed it. I, I had a friend who uh, apparently there was this trend on the internet was saying, "Yeah, I'm not into cinema. I'm into kino." Yeah, it's Kino. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, it's just like I'm into that raw kind of, you know, like cinema kind of. It's just like a, you know, it's a spoof, yeah, yeah. spoof of how people talk. I had a theory of how mm. we watch films, which is a bit like this. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I'd love to. It's I'll try and do it. It's a film podcast, mate. Oh, yeah. Is, is this the right place to do it? Yeah, in this film podcast that we do together. Save it for your other ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so um, uh, I've always thought that film and how we watch films kind of splits into three categories, actually. Okay. And you can describe it different ways, but to put it really crudely and bluntly, it's like head, heart, and groin, right? Okay. Or, ar- or, or intellect, emotion, and, ar- and arousal, okay? Okay. Is this yours? So it, this is mine. I've yeah. come up with it. Yeah. This is my oh, wow. theory. This is patent pending. You're hearing yeah. it from me for the first time. Like uh, intellect, uh, emotion, and arousal, right? And what I mean by that is... Uh, Films are always trying to do kind of one of those things, right? And, and different films, those are equal. There's no, there's no one is more valuable than the other, right? So you can see a film that it's like, uh, let's say Transformers or Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. That is like a pri- pri- primarily arousal film in that it, it's trying to wow you and speak to kind of your like base human elements about explosions and energy and um, action and excitement. Yeah. That's it's trying to arouse you in that kind of sense. Like, yes. And the same way in the same way it's trying to titillate you with, you know, scantily clad women or men taking their top off. You know, it's yeah. it's that kind of thing. It's trying to hit you right Fast there. car girl the, doing the talk. Exactly. That's that that's fine. That's what those ones are doing. Then you get your films that are more about emotion. These, call me by your name. Yeah, these are films that are about, you know, or call me by your name, but also films that are like just straightforward dramas. Like, mm. oh, I felt really emotionally engaged in that drama that that made me feel something i feel that person's pain the empathy uh element to it 
uh, yeah, Call Me By Your Name is obviously, and obviously some of us think of a romance film yes. uh, or yeah, any sort of tragedy, but you kind of feel emotionally uh, involved. And then there's the intellect and the head, right, the brain, which is, I think, stereotypically your cliched like art house film, European art house film, yeah. where the ideas are very interesting. Or like the prestige. No, 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 no. Oh, no? Can, no, no okay, okay. Just, sorry, no, no, sorry, you sorry. Get ahead. Yeah, I, I'm trying to talk about it at its most extreme, just so okay, we understand fine, the tempo, fine, fine. right? So, so like the uh, the intellect, it's probably like t- uh, Tarkovsky, uh, right? Yeah. With, with Stalker, oh, cool, things like yeah. that, where you've got this idea that's incredibly cerebral and interesting, but because it's so um, focused on that idea, it's actually sometimes a little bit cold emotionally, mm. and often because it's an intellectual film, it hasn't got a very big budget, so it's not really going to arouse you, okay? Yes. So it's focused on the idea. And similarly, if a film is primarily emotional, that might subvert and undercut any sort of idea it's kind of imposing. It's more about just how you feel. And the same with arousal. They're not wasting time to try and get you emotionally or intellectually. It's just trying to arouse you in the moment, mm. right? So those are the kind of parameters, and that's all fine. I think that good films do more than one of those things. So a good film kind of sets off to do one thing but does another. So a good film might just be a drama, which, oh, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of engaged in the conflict in there, but it leaves you with an idea. It also gets you thinking about something. Mm. Or you go and see a drama, and it's good equally, but actually the action scenes and the the sort of arousal element, maybe, maybe the aesthetics of it were so beautiful... And kind of like, what you like? Oh, I went, I went to seeing straightforward drama, but the fight scenes were really well choreographed, and the you know Mission Impossible Fallout, for example. Yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, oh, that was actually, yeah, I felt engaged, and oh, that was interesting. Um, so good films do too. Great films do all three. Mm. Great films give you, you know, filmmaking craftsmanship for the arousal element. Um, incredibly engaging performances and and um, script writing for the. Uh, emotional heart and then um, give you ideas to really think about and cut through to you and that, that stay with you in terms of in, intellectually yes very roughly described then no I, I've just I been totally rattling around in my brain for a bit but sometimes I think you know okay well how did this film work for me and, 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 and where is it working for me? And sometimes it's, it's like a triangle you can point yeah. to. Yeah, and, and you can get films that are yeah, you can get yeah. films that are intellectually interesting. And um, take a film like maybe you can even accuse us of uh, Christopher Nolan's films. Intellectually very interesting. Yes. And arousal, you've got a huge spectacle. Yeah. You've got everything like that. Sometimes emotionally cold. Tenet, uh, Tenet, very Tenet perfect cold. example, yeah. right? Intellectually flawed, I would give, is actually my th- issue with Tenet. Because okay, it, yeah, I just, it's too complicated. But, but, but whatever. Arousal, definitely. The spectacle is definitely, mm. we know no one can do it. Emotionally, barren. Absolutely <laughs> barren emotionally, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so and, that, and that's not to say it's a bad film. It's Interstellar just, is his more central one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, it, it, Interstellar, nice I think, is his most emotional film. By so, far. And maybe Dunkirk as well, actually. Yeah, like a, yeah, depending on yeah, depending how you on feel. How it's you a different feel. kind of emotion. Different, it's, completely different. But broadly speaking, that's my kind of framework. You yes, heard I like it here it. first on Pulp Fiction. Pulp Kitchen. I imagine a triangle with yeah. each thing. We should and draw then films it. are charted on that. Yes. And then like you've got your, your yeah. great ones to do the middle where they're in the back, smack bang in the middle. Yeah. You've got Tenet, which is way in like one corner. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. That's how I picture it. Anyway, um, who's that from But interesting, like you bring up uh, yeah. Tarkovsky. The only Tarkovsky film I've seen is Stalker. And that I think that film has something like just over 100 shots, but they're all like... 
60, they're like one to two minutes long. Yeah. So it's not trying to like TikTok feed you yes. the plot. And it's not trying to, I wouldn't say it's not trying to engage you, but it is purposefully presenting it's you a not, slow yes, idea. It's not like, yeah, it wants to convey an idea. It's yes. not interested in like holding your attention for a spectacle for, 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 an, um, for just to arouse you in the moment. Yes. There you go. Hi, George and James. Sorry. Hey. This next one is from Tom. Hi, George and James. Hi, Tom. Just watched your Top Gun Maverick episode and wanted to add to the conversation about 4DX. If you didn't know, we uh, did oh, a review yes. of Top Gun Maverick and George actually went to the premiere, did a whole thing with 4DX, talked all about it. Um, completely opposite to George's experience with the subtlety and reference to some of the 4DX elements with Top Gun Maverick. I saw The Matrix in 4DX last year and okay. it was one of the worst cinema experiences <laughs> I've ever had. Every gunshot was followed by compressed air sounds and rumbles, which completely took me out of the film yeah. and, they were nothing, and were nothing but distracting. Adding to this, the chair was banged Ranking left and right with the bullet time and other iconic scenes made for a highly distracting experience. Do you think 4DX could be worthwhile? Could be a worthwhile addition to the cinema-going experience if perfected, or is it just a failed gimmick to get more people in seats? All the best, Tom. Well, first of all, like I just want to say that my my experience with 4DX and what I said about 4DX was very, very specifically related to Top Gun. Man. Yeah, I, I said. And it feels like it's the I, only I, film recently it, it, yeah, that makes that, sense I, I, for it. My thing was that, like, I'm still on the fence about it, but I was surprised at how much I kind of got on with it for that film. I think what you've described with The Matrix sounds awful. I know and what I they mean with the bullets and the and, air, yeah, yeah, and the fact, the fact is, I don't think I... Now I have been to 4DX, so someone said, oh, do you want to go see it again? I'd say no. I want to go... If I'm going to see anything, I'll see it in the IMAX, right? Yeah. When I, someone describes it, it doesn't sound like something I want. Uh, I, I think it is cynical, unfortunately. I don't think it is going to... I just don't think it's going to catch on. I don't think it's what audiences really want. When I casually meant talk to people about it, mm. no one's ever gone, that is such a good idea. Oh, that <laughs> is so, oh I've always wanted that. Yeah. People are always just going, huh? How does that... And what... Uh, no. It, it's almost uh, gone the other way in that, you know, filmmaking, film watching has become increasingly relaxed. Yes. People that want to be like you know, people behave at the cinema like they do at the homes, right? And people are also watching films at the homes. And they more. want sofas and, and, and it's burgers. like cinemas have gone right. Let's do the opposite. Let's give them what they can't get at home. But I actually think that puts people off because they think I like watching films in a very relaxed way. Yeah, I don't want to be disturbed by someone shaking my seat, blowing air in my face, and the snow on. machine blowing. <laughs> yeah. Like that was the come funny off, one. I I don't I, you know ten years ago everyone was talking about three D. Are we going to be talking about four D X in the same amount of time? I don't know. I think uh, James Cameron's gonna. Give, bring 3D back with Avatar. That's, well, that's what plan. he did with uh, the first Avatar. Yeah, he brought and it then back. it was around for five years. And but, but no one wanted it because it's higher price point. As yeah. you know, Kermode famously was just light loss and all Thirty percent light light loss. Yeah, um, lovely. This uh, this next one was just a comment on your Elvis review. Um, okay. They said, for me, it was a stunning movie, a roller coaster of an experience. The sets and the costumes were amazing, the music electrifying, and Butler embodied Elvis. As a yes. biopic, it might not have been totally accurate, but then none of them are. This was the most interesting and exciting by far. Baz Luhrmann's masterpiece, epic movie. Just thought I'd read that out because that was a yeah, real yeah, I, uh, glowing I, I review, that. and you had a lot of good things to say yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think actually, if, if you if you're willing to let Elvis the the film. Um, if you if you give it a chance, I think you'll actually enjoy yourself. I think there's a lot nice. there to enjoy. I think some people have been quite mean about it because they've been. You got to you'll be open minded. Nice. I read. I think again it was in Sight and Sound where it was just like, you know, after two years of no cinemas and you know, and being caught up, who doesn't want like a delirious musical party about yeah. a really famous musical icon? Let's go for it. Lovely. Um, Mark writes in uh, in reference to our 
episode last week where we did about Wait. great movie openings. Yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, I interrupted you that again. Sorry. Right. Mark writes in uh, and says, makes a comment about the episode we did last week, which was great movie openings. Uh, he said, how did you not mention the opening of Reservoir Dogs when discussing Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> I guess I but just forgot. I mean, I mean, we, we mentioned, mentioned so many. every single other one of his films, I think. Obviously, that is a great opening. Um, thank you, Mark. Sophie writes in, uh, as well, talking about openings, and she said, "A great movie opening for me that I forgot about until the other day, The Dark Knight." You were, uh, you're yeah, so we, immer- we did mention it. Yeah. yeah, you're so immersed in the events of the bank robbery, and then of course the intro to Heath Ledger's Joker for the first time. Right. A lot of things about that opening ticks boxes for me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fantastic Wonderful. and yeah, uh, large scale storytelling. Jude says, love you guys. TikTok was my gateway. Refreshing to hear from movie buffs again. I felt like it was a major part of our culture that was slowly vanished from the world. Movies are magic. Oh, and I'll just end I with that from that. Jude, That's which was really sweet. Thank oh, you, Jude. Thank you to everyone who wrote in yes. to the podcast this week. If you want to write in, you can do by emailing hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. All right, George, let's finish up today's episode with a game where you're going to play one of our favorites, Cast List Countdown. I'm going to read the cast of a film in somewhat di- uh, ascending order of how important they are. And George has to try and guess what film I'm talking about before I get to the end of the list or, okay. you know, consequences. Well, you keep me out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine, let's do it. I take one of his fingers. Um, first film, you ready? You have to guess the film based on its cast. Let's do it. Zoe Bell. It's a Tarantino film. It's uh, Nikolai Costo Waldo. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Andrea Riseborough. Uh, Oblivion? Ooh, yes, actually? it's Oblivion. Oh, Next up would have been guess. Morgan Freeman, Olga Kurilenko, yeah. and then Tom Cruise. I've never seen it. Would you believe that? I got it and I've never seen it. It's uh, fine. It's interesting. Not it's that. Fine. Yeah, it, Joseph it is. Kaczynski Joseph Kaczynski. Before, uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Top Gun's a way better film. Yeah. Next film. You have to guess the film. Based on its cast, in three, two, one. Paul Giamatti. Brilliant. Guys in everything. Yeah. How, where can I go from there? Sporting character in everything. Okay. Felicity Jones. Okay. Dane DeHaan. So, ooh, okay. Dane DeHaan and Felicity Jones. That Jamie Foxx. Uh, oh, is this... Um, Emma Stone. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes, and then is, you would have um, had Andrew Garfield. Is Felicity Jones in that? Yes, she plays um, something. The, the she plays a Felicity something. She plays oh. Fel- oh, Felicia Hart. Right. Next film. Okay. Last one. Okay. Tilda Swinton. Right. Scarlett Johansson. Right. Channing Tatum. Ray Fiennes. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Because I was going to say, like, it's not Ghost in the Shell, is it? George Clooney. It's not... Uh, wait, are you... Uh, wait. Josh Brolin. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, it's uh, Hail Caesar. <laughs> yes. God, when you said Tilda and Scarlett Hansen, I was like, is that Ghost in the Shell? Were they in that together? Or Was Tilda in that? I have no idea. I haven't oh, asked her. Didn't watch Ghost in the Shell. Me neither. Who has? There you go. That was uh, another round of Castless Countdown. Okay. George, you did very well there. I, I think uh, 
I, put, I threw that film in there because it's got very big mixed yes. casts and it's weird. Good. You have seen Helsies, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I didn't like um, it. There you go. That was another episode of Pulp Kitchen. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday and our reviews tend to come out on a Friday sometimes tend when we to. have seen a film. Uh, but yeah, don't forget you can write into the show uh, and ask us a question that we'll answer. It'll be hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. And yeah, check us out on TikTok and Instagram. I mean, James has pretty much covered what we need yes. to say there. He's very good, but just like, you know, TikTok and Instagram. Give us a like, give us a yeah, thumbs up, follow give us, us five on stars. Instagram, TikTok. Get in touch. And Please leave us a like on Spotify. Drop yes. us a like on YouTube. Please subscribe. It really does make a difference. It helps people grow the show and find it. Um, really appreciate that. See us next week for part two of Marvel Movie Directors. Yeah.